Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. Now, I want to just invite up Francis. Francis is a uh, just getting to know Francis a little bit. He is this, uh, a humble, gentle man. And Francis is part of our, of our, we're part of a lifelink or global horizons as they call it in, in England. We're part of a network of churches that, that does mission together, that does care and, and, and takes, um, has Bible colleges in Africa and, and helps support church plants and all across the world. The, the money that we, we bring in here in Munster, Indiana has a, has a, a profound impact in, in places all over the world, and some places we'll never know. But this morning, Francis is going to share some things with us about the work of God in India. And it's, it's amazing to see what God has been able to do with, with just a little. God's been able to multiply and, and, and make a profound impact. And so I want, to, I want to commend this church. Your gifts, your offerings, your tithes here have made an impact in a places far away that we will probably never even realize that they're doing. And so Francis is, 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 is a dear brother of ours. He's a friend of ours. But in Jesus Christ, we are family. We're, we're, he's not coming to us as an outsider coming in. He's, he's one of us. He's part of the family. And so let's just welcome Francis. Good morning, everyone. I consider it a joy and a privilege to be with you. And I have been greatly blessed with the hospitality and the kindness that uh, we have received so far. And uh, I feel very humble to be here. And uh, I thank for John for giving me this opportunity to come and minister. Okay, I just want to share uh, what God is doing in India through us. Yes, John rightly said, you know, you never know how your prayers, your giving is making an impact. So sometimes it is good to know how your prayers and giving making a big impact in India. Maybe you might have not realized. I hope this morning you will be challenged. Uh, okay. Uh, our ministry is called Tender Heart Foundation. A small things done in a great love. <laughs> okay. And this is my wife, Alison. Uh, and that is my son. And uh, this is my, uh, that is my daughter, jo- uh, Abigail. Okay. Uh, my son is a miracle boy. I mean, all the children are miracle boy, a gift from God. But he was three months early. Uh, so he, when he was born, he was uh, 560 grams. And after uh, 11 days, uh, he was less than half a kilo, 460 grams. And uh, today he's a three and a half years old. So he's very active and uh, he speaks, he communicates. Uh, he's a normal. <laughs> so by the grace of God, no uh, default in him. <laughs> okay. We work among the Dalit people. Most of 100% of our ministry is focused uh, among this people group called Dalits. Uh, Dalit means they're broken people. They're called as a untouchables. I'll give you a very brief history why they're called as a untouchables. So according to Hinduism, you know, Hindu people believe 300 million gods and goddesses. You know, everything they worship. <laughs> but they believe that uh, Brahma is the creator of the universe. 
and when Brahma created the universe, there are four groups come from the Brahman's body. One comes from the mouth of God. They are called as the Brahmins because they come from the top part of the body of God. That's why they are called as Aikas. There is another group comes from the arms of God. They are called as Kshatriyas. Kshatriyas means warriors. There is another group from, comes from the thigh of God. They are called as a Vaishnas. You know, Mahatma Gandhi comes from this group. And there is another group comes from the feet of God. Uh, they are called as a uh, Sudras. You know, Brahmins, they hold high position in, in India, well-educated, very good-looking in their fairness. We easily find out who is the Brahmins. Warriors, there are uh, Chaitriyas, they serve in the military. And uh, Vaishnas, they own agriculture land. They have uh, plenty of land where they grow uh, various uh, vegetables, rice, and things like that. Then there is Sudras, who, do, who does the day-to-day -day work. There is another group which comes from under the feet of God. They are called as a Dalits. Because they come from under the feet of God, this group believes that God has rejected them. God has kicked them. So that's why they can't achieve salvation in their present life. They can only achieve salvation if they serve the top three communities, three, three different castes. Maybe next life, not this life. So that's why they are called as a untouchables, rejected people. There are 300 million people in India. They are called as a Dalits. And God has given us a burden to reach these people with gospel. We can't make a difference in 300 million people's life, but we can make a difference one life at a time. Okay? And uh, churches in India, organization in India, are opening up uh, uh, for the Dalits. And since 2002, till today, 2 million Dalits have come to know the Lord. You know? And I get a call almost every day, different pastors calling me, Francis, are you free? free? We are giving a baptism for 15 people. We are giving baptism for 10 people. You know, can you come you know, to witness what God is doing? It's amazing. And uh, we are working among these Dalit people because Dalits is called as untouchables. Dalit children do not, have, do not have an opportunity to get any education. You know, Dalit people requested the churches to educate their children because in India, education is important, all, of course, all over the world. But the problem, a Dalit children, even if they go to a school where the Icast people, children go, Icast children sit on the bench, Dalit children sit on the floor outside. Okay? And nearly 90% of the Dalit Teenagers or children never enter a university. They drop out school very soon. And 90% of the Dalit women are illiterate, never go to school. Okay? And uh, we reach children because we know children are very precious in the sight of God. And it is best way for us to reach gospel to the parents. There are 14 million child laborers in India. They work morning 7 to 8 in the night but they get less than a dollar per day. And there are 2 million street children in India. And according to statistics, about 15% of the commercial sex workers in India are under the age of 15. And 25% uh, age between 15 and 18. You know. And you see the need. So we are reaching the children through the education. And at present we have a two daycare center 
okay? And uh, in one daycare center, we have uh, 52 children. In the another daycare center, we have 68 children. And uh, if God willing, uh, in May, in uh, next two months' time, we'll be starting a another daycare center in Karnataka, which is the most unreached state. And we are going to start a school. It is, this school is going to be the first school in that village. If anybody wants to go to school from that village, they nearly have to walk six to three to four kilometers. So now they no need to walk right into their village. We are taking the school. <laughs> and uh, we have an educational program where we teach children how to read and write. This is a two years program. We teach them education. Along with education, we want to see the children's life uh, transformed with the gospel of Jesus. So that's why we teach them the songs about Jesus, teach them the memory words, and we tell them the story from the Bible. Most of these children do not get proper breakfast and proper dinner. So we make sure that they get proper lunch. So every day we give them the lunch. And most of these children do not know when their birthday is. You know, they don't have birth certificate, nothing like that. So we want to make them feel special. That's why once in a year, one day we celebrate everybody's birthday. So, <laughs> so we invite uh, all the children and we have a, a nice lunch and we give them a, a birthday gift, some toys, something that they can play with. So we want to make them feel special because all through their life, they have been taught they're good for nothing. They have been taught that they are rejected people. But we know we all are created in the image of God. You know. And I want to tell the uh, story of Pooja. You know, Pooja, first time we met her on the street, she was begging for money. You know, and it's very, very bad, especially people, those who are living in the slum. And uh, Pooja was our first student. So we went to Pooja house and we find out where she was living. And we approached the parents. We want to take Pooja to our school. Parents said, no, 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 you can't take. If she go to school, we will bring the money. We said, no, more than money, we need, you have to educate her. Unwillingly, parents agreed because we threatened. If you don't send Pooja to school, we will give you a police complaint. <laughs> so parents, no, 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 take her. <laughs> so we took Pooja to our school. And... Uh, she stayed with us nearly three years. And during three years, Pooja learned about Jesus Christ. And whenever there is a fight in the house between father and mother, Pooja is to tell them, don't fight, Jesus will punish you. <laughs> you know, when the Pooja parents are sick, Pooja prays for them in Jesus' name. And uh, as a witness of Pooja, whole family came to know the Lord. You know, and, uh, and uh, very recently, last year, November, uh, before that, Pooja mother took baptism. Last year, November, Pooja father was a drunkard. And he came to know the Lord and he took baptism. Now, like that, we have around 40 people who came to know the Lord through the children. I personally never went and evangelized them. Children went and told them about Jesus and parents approached us saying that, no, our children talks about Jesus. Who is this Jesus? And we took that opportunity and they told them who Jesus is. And they said, why can't you tell that, that love of God to us? So that, as a result of that, we started a church plant. Like Pooja, we have rescued 330 children from the street. 
and today all those 330 children they are in the mainstream school if we did not add a daycare center 110 present students plus 330 nearly 500 children could have been on the street making a difference one one life at a time and as i told you as a result of the daycare center you know parents started to come and ask about jesus as a result of that we have started a two churches in goa and uh, 11th of november seven people took baptism and all seven parents the children parents of children who comes to our daycare center okay we also educating uh, helping uh, uh, teenagers to complete their university because giving them you know we want to see the teenagers getting a, a good a higher education getting into the jobs where they have never dreamt of you know this is chandru who lost his father and mother because of hiv and aids at the age of 7 you know and uh, we know him almost for 7 years by the time we met he was studying in a high school high school dropped out but we encouraged him to study the high school and we helped him to complete his college now he is studying a, a degree and he is the first person to dig, study degree in his village you know and same like bharati you know uh, our father she is an orphan you know very brilliant student she we helped her to complete her college and today she is studying a degree she never thought that she is going to college and god fulfilled her dream of going to college and after college and now she is studying a degree in next year she will complete her degree both chandru and uh, bharati and most important thing they both came to know jesus and they have a very good relationship with jesus along with studying degree in the university they have actively involved involving in the local church so we also have a, a children's club okay what we do in the children's club uh, we go to four days in a week we go to the slum we invite all the children to come because these children do not have toys okay don't feel guilty in america or in uk i see children having plenty of toys i am not complaining but when you come to india look at these children they don't have any toys when we go with cricket bat and uh, football and skipping rope all the children comes so we play with them uh, about 1 hour to 1 and a half hour then afterwards we will ask everyone to sit and we will tell them uh, stories from the bible most of the children and uh, every year someone from uk comes to teach tennis so we have a tennis training uh, two weeks every six months so the it's amazing how the slum kids learn the tennis and they play very well so if you know tennis you can come to india and you can play with this uh, and uh, this year uh, last year christmas we have around 60 children uh, through the children's club and uh, we have trained all those children to sing songs uh, dance and teach taught them the drama and uh, we used those children and conducted an outreach program during the christmas and we were able to reach nearly 2000 people with the gospel of jesus last year at uh, christmas through the uh, slum children and a lot of young people in the slum their uh, high school dropped out and uh, so we teach them a three months a basic course in computer 
because in India, for poor people, computers means laptop, computers, they only see from far distance because they think that is only for the rich people. So since we started a, a com giving a computer training, three months basic course, we were able to, um, uh, 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 15 young people able to get a job in a local shops because they know computer. You know, this long teenagers thought, oh, computer is not for us, for the English, rich people. But we are teaching them, you know, saying that it's not only for the rich. Here is the opportunity for you to come and learn the uh, computer. Okay. So we also have a ministry among the women. And uh, we work uh, in Gattaprabha, we work among the Devadasis. You know, in India, any girl want get married, they have to pay certain amount of money to the boy who is getting married. Especially if you have a three, four daughters, you can't afford your daughters to get married. So in the name of religion, they dedicate them to a god who is a French, uh, a god of a prostitute. So that's why they're called as a servant of God in the name of religion. And according to statistics in North Karnataka, where most of our ministry is focused, 2,000 young girls are sold into prostitution every year. And uh, God has given us to burden, to work uh, among those girls. The only way we can rescue them is to give them some kind of skills because they are old. They can't go to school. So that's why we started a tailoring center. It is a, a six-month tailoring. Uh, during this six months, they learn is in a very solid training. Uh, after this six months, straight away they can start earning money because it's a solid uh, tailoring course. And at present, we have uh, three tailoring centers, two in Goa, one in, one in Karnataka. Currently, 62 girls are going through six-month training. Okay. Uh, one, one tailoring center in Goa, we have right in the midst of the red light area. You know, it was called as a red light area and now it's demolished. The government has demolished, but still so much of prostitution activities takes place. So we have a, a tailoring center in the, in the slum. Uh, we not only give tailoring center uh, training, most of these uh, girls come from, uh, come from a broken family, a lot of uh, bad experience in their life. So we have a time to time, we counsel them, pray, pray with them uh, every week, Saturday, for our, before they start the training, two hours, we spend praying for them. Uh, then we have a picnic. Most of these girls never been out of their village. So before they complete their six-month training, we take them for a, a picnic. And we also try and uh, help them whatever the ways we can so that they will know the love of God. And last six years, we are able to train nearly 620 girls in tailoring and embroidery. And today, all of them have a testimony to tell how God has changed their life. And most of these girls who learn tailoring, and after that, they don't, they don't know what to do. They have a skills, but they don't have a tailoring machine, sewing machine. At the same time, every year we train nearly 100 girls. We can't give a sewing machine free for all those 100 girls because we don't have that much money. Whatever the support that we come get every month, that is enough 
to uh, meet day-to-day -day expenses. So with the help of O2H Global Horizon, we got some gift and um, we started uh, this project called Micro Enterprises Project. The girls who complete tailoring with us, we give them a sewing machine on loan without interest. And uh, last two years, we are given 85 sewing machines on loan, you know. And we get uh, one-off gift from different people saying that, can you use this money to buy a tailoring machine? So for that, with that money, we don't buy. Uh, we give them free. We see the most neediest person. We tell them, okay, this is a, a gift from Mercy Hill. Have it for free. Jesus loves you. Like that. So uh, we have done... Uh, we have given quite a few sewing machines like that. I want to tell you the story of Nakusha. Nakusha means unwanted. You know, and uh, when Nakusha was 14, Nakusha's mom was a temple prostitute. And uh, Nakusha has another three sisters. When Nakusha's mother was pregnant with Nakusha, a mother thought the fourth one is going to be a, a boy. But Nakusha was born as a fourth girl. And because she was unwanted, they kept her name as a Nakusha, which means unwanted. At the age of 14, a mother was encouraging Nakusha to go, go and be as a Devadasi, as a temple prostitute, servant of God. But Nakusha doesn't want it to go because she herself has seen her own friends and family dying because of HIV and AIDS. And she doesn't want it to go. And she met some of the girls who gone through the training from us, tailoring center. And she searched our tailoring center and met with us and asked, can I join your tailoring center? We said we took her and we gave her a, a six-month training. And after six months, in our graduation, she said, can you please change my name? <laughs> uh, we said, no, we will not change your name. Keep your name as it is. And she said, you know, and many times she did not have a hope. Since she came to the tailoring center, she learned the skills. She learned about Jesus. And she told Jesus gave her a hope and courage to live. The most important thing, Nakusha came to know the Lord. As a, as a result of her testimony, Nakusha parents also came to know the Lord. And since eight months, we are having a, a prayer meeting right in Nakusha's house. We also have a, a workshop for the girls. There are so many young girls who don't have any skills. So we have a craft workshops. So we teach them uh, making a few things. We try and sell them and make some money so that they will, be, uh, they will get that money so that they can continue their education. And we also have a hope project where we try and uh, rebuild people's life. You know, people, those who are in need, uh, if somebody wants to start in a business, we give them a, a loan of 10,000 rupees, which is around uh, $120. Uh, we give them as a loan. They can take $120 as a loan so that they can start their business. And uh, right now, we have given nearly to 15 people. You know, they get pay back. That money we we reuse them. And like that, we have people who started a vegetable business and various small businesses. And today, they are taking care of their family. 
I'll just tell you one story of Lakshmi. Uh, just about a year ago, Lakshmi lost her husband, you know, and uh, Lakshmi got up in the morning, trying to wake her husband up, wake up, wake up, but he was gone. He died with an heart attack. And Lakshmi had two small children, and she was totally broken. She don't know what to do in life. And she thought she's going to commit suicide. But she has two children. So she thought, I will kill those children first, then I will commit suicide myself. And during this time, one of my pastor's wife met Lakshmi and told her about our tailoring center. And we told we will help you. She told we will help you. And Lakshmi came to our tailoring center. She learned six months tailoring. And after that, we gave her $120 as a loan to start a business. Today, right in the slum, Lakshmi has a tailoring shop where she sells clothes and she makes clothes. And she's making nearly uh, 3,000 3, 3, to 4,000 rupees, which is about 50 pounds every month, $50 she makes every month. And the most important thing, the Lakshmi came to know the Lord. And now she's coming to church because of what Jesus has done in their life. <laughs> you know? And uh, every year, we have a, a pastor's conference. Uh, last three years we are doing. Uh, over the years, uh, my heart is for the village pastors. You know, they're in the village pastors. I know many of many village pastors. Some of you those who are coming to India, you will see. Most of those pastors are serving in a difficult situation. No electricity, you know, uh, no fellowship with other pastors. But they have a desire to do ministry. And... Um, about five years ago, one pastor came to see me in Goa from the village. And um, he came to my house. And then I asked him, have you seen the uh, sea or beach? And he said, no, I never seen the sea. Okay, I was so tired. And uh, anyway, I took this pastor to the beach. And when he saw the sea, I was walking with him. He just left me. He started running. Wow, wow, water, water. You know, he was running on the beach and he was literally like a baby. And what I'm going to say, you will not believe. He took some water and he drank. And he said, who is putting the salt in the sea, in the water? That is the time the Lord spoke to me. You know, and Francis, there are so many pastors serving the Lord in a difficult situation. Facing opposition. You know, I start praying, Lord, I want to bring 50 pastors to Goa. Because coming to Goa is coming to a foreign country. Because of the, in India, Goa is considered as a, a beautiful state. Because it's an holiday destination. Because of the beautiful beaches and the nature. And uh, I start praying. And the Lord answered our prayer after two years. We were able to bring 100 pastors, you know, to Goa. And they had a three days of teaching of fellowshipping, a nice food, and most of these pastors are really, really blessed. And by the time we finish three years, many of them don't feel like going back. You know, One pastor came and said to me, uh, Pastor wife, Francis, I just want to thank you for bringing my family to this conference because last 25 years we are in the ministry. 
we never been out of our village coming to here is an a coming to an another country and what she said something is very important to me she said francis last three days my husband never left my hand is holding my hand in the beach well they are having a we are having a picnic our husband never left our hand walking with her on the beach he said since our marriage i never seen my husband holding a hand in public you know bringing families together making a change with the love of god and we have a, a five churches where we work in belgam districts our main goal is to rescue uh, the people from the prostitution and bring them to the christ god has given a, a specialized ministry and we are focusing our ministry among these people and god is building his church god is building his church and god has uh, provided a, a little land and also place to uh, a place and we are building because uh, we have so much of opportunity we want to educate more children we want to educate train more girls in tailoring we want to have that pastors meeting pastors fellowship but the problem everything we are running in a rented places and all the rented places very small and it's very difficult to get a place to run our activities because we are christians and that's why we started to pray and the lord provided money to buy a land and also this building and so almost by this year september we will complete a basement on the first floor and uh, we will be having a daycare center in that building everything will be having in in this building tailoring center uh, sunday worship and bible study uh, computer training and uh, counseling center and skills workshops so everything will be having uh, under one building so we praise god for this provision you know jesus said to his disciples the harvest is great but the laborers are few therefore pray to the lord of the harvest that he will send out laborers into his harvest field you know you can do a very little and still you can do a lot because your one dollar goes long way in india and you can save a life you know and uh, join your hands through your prayer and support so that we can transform the lives of the people okay very briefly i would like to share the word of god with you and you know uh, if you can turn your bible with me to romans chapter 1 romans chapter 1 verses 14 to 16 i want to speak to you about the power of god the power of the gospel okay if you read this on the screen bob uh, Jesus is the world vision founder he said like this let my heart be broken with the things that breaks the heart of god the question which things is breaks the heart of god i personally believe that when person die without knowing christ that breaks the heart of god there are a number of things that breaks the heart of god but god desire is to see people from all nation all languages coming to know jesus people from all people's group coming to know the lord jesus you know that's what uh, paul says uh, roman chapter uh, 1 14 to 16 i'll 
I am under obligation both to Greeks and barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jews first, also to the, gent, uh, to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to, for faith for faith. Okay, as it is written, uh, the, righteous, the righteous shall live by faith. You know, God called us to be a light and salt to, the, to this world. And you know, and uh, when you look at the heart of God, the Father, God the Father, His heart is for the world. That's why He did not send someone else. He sent His own Son as a missionary to this world. And Jesus died on the cross as a missionary. And when you look at the Jesus' words, Jesus said, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. You see that Jesus' heart is for the missions. And the, in, the, when you think about the Holy Spirit, who is living in us, He has given us power to witness. See the Spirit, spirit a missionary spirit in the Holy Spirit. You know, you may ask question. So who is a missionary? Oh, Pastor John is a missionary. He's a pastor. His responsibility is to bring souls to church. Oh, Francis is in India, or Silent is in Zimbabwe. Yes, we are called by God, but we all are called by God. I want to tell you who is a missionary. Every person who has a Jesus in their heart is a missionary. And I'll tell you what is mission field. Every person who don't have a Christ in their heart is a mission field. The mission field right here. It may be in your own family who doesn't know about God. It may be somebody, your friend who doesn't know about God. It may be someone you are working, with whom you are working, who doesn't know God. That is your mission field. Every heart with Christ is a missionary. Every heart without Christ is a mission field. And God has called us to be a light to the people. People, those who are living in the darkness. I'll share three things from this scripture. First Paul says, I am under obligation. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we all are under obligation. You know, when you think about life of Paul, he was a persecutor of the church. He was killing the Christians. He had a special permission to kill the Christians. But God changed his life completely. You know, and when movement, he he came to know the Lord. The moment that God given him a vision, the moment he put his faith in Jesus, and Paul knew that he was under obligation because of what Jesus done in his life. Dear brothers and sisters, Christ has died for us. He gave his life for us. And that's why we are under obligation. You know, we are under obligation to preach to the gospel people, those who don't know. We are under obligation. That's what Paul says. And second thing I want to share with you is, Paul says, I am eager to preach the gospel. What an amazing statement. He says, I am eager to preach the gospel. And Paul says in Corinthians chapter 9, 1 Corinthians 9, 
verse 16, he says, Oh to me if I don't preach the gospel. And Paul says, when you read his letters, you know, he says, Oh, many times I thought of keeping quiet, but the love of God is forcing me to preach the gospel. Dear brothers and sisters, when people are dying without knowing Christ, we cannot keep quiet. You know, the love of God will force us to share people, those who don't know the love of God. You know, that's why Paul says, I am eager to preach the gospel. When you look at Jesus' ministry, you know, Jesus always on the move, always in action, bringing, sharing the kingdom of God. And Jesus saw the people and he had a compassion on them. He said, oh, these people are, these sheep without a shepherd. You know, look at Jesus' ministry. Great example to us. You know, we don't have a time to waste. <laughs> we live in the last days. You know, and uh, somebody was telling me in India very recently, oh, Francis, we live in the last days. I told him, no, we are not living in the last days. We are living in the last hour of the last minute. When you think about this world, so much of uncertainty, you know, and people of this world, they have a hope if they believe in Jesus. You know, this world needs a savior. You know, I come from a country where people believe 300 million gods and goddesses. And I want to tell you, those goddesses are nothing comparing to Jesus. Because those are gods and goddesses. But the God whom we worship and believe is a savior. Those gods can't protect them. They can't give salvation. Only Jesus can give salvation to us. You know, if that salvation, if we could have got a salvation through the entertainment, God could have sent an entertainer. If we could have earned a, a salvation through the good work, God could have sent uh, uh, someone who can do the charity work. You know, God knew people need a savior. That's why God sent his son. And uh, Paul says, I'm eager to preach the gospel. I'll just tell you one story that changed my ministry. About 10 years ago, we were doing ministry in, uh, in uh, Kumamela, where a lot of uh, uh, thousands and thousands of people, Hindu people, comes and take a uh, baptism in the river so that their sins will be forgiven. Along with me, my friend, we were walking on the a river, giving the gospels. And there is one lady, she was crying. She was crying. Then we went to that lady and said, you know, we have a good news for you. And she got up and said, what that good news is? And we told her about Jesus Christ. And she was so angry and caught hold of my shirt and said, why you did not come five minutes before and told me this good news? Because just Five minutes before, I have sacrificed my son in the river. And I thought, oh, we don't have time to waste. That's why Paul says, I am eager to preach the gospel. And Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why Paul is not ashamed of the gospel? Because it is the power of God. And it's the message of salvation. And it's the wisdom of God. And through the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed. That's why Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God. 
in this world apart from gospel nothing will, nothing can't change if you want to see people's life are transformed only gospel can change you know many times i think the charity that we work the education we give or the skills that we give that is excellent that is good but along with those we want to see people life are transformed with the gospel of jesus christ you know that's why paul says i am not ashamed of the gospel and i'll just tell you one more story you know which happened nearly around 12 years ago you know along with my friend we were working in a omt we went to the village where we were doing a ministry you know those days we have to do more ministry because we never got money to eat so we have to sell the new testaments whatever the money comes so we have to eat eat so we were distributing the gospels and it was time for us to go back to the accommodation but in a little distance we saw a house and i said to my friend okay let's go let's go back to our accommodation we are done he said no francis there is an house why can't we go oh we have covered so many houses just forget about one house let's go but he said no francis let's go and give a, a gospel so we went and we knocked the door and uh, some we heard a noise who is that and uh, we said we have a good news for you and she ran and came and opened the door and she said what is that good news is and uh, we shared about jesus christ and his death and his if you believe in jesus you will have a hope and new life immediately she started to cry and said if you were late for 5 minutes i could have committed a suicide she was preparing to commit her suicide so she told her story that she is the second wife to his to her husband and the husband doesn't take care of her he always leaves with the first wife whenever he comes he beats her no he will not give any money she was fed up in life that's why she wanted to commit suicide she was preparing herself to commit suicide the moment she learned about jesus christ that jesus loves her she said i'm not going to die i'm going to live and we stayed in that place nearly 3 months during this 3 months she learned more about jesus christ before she le- we left that place she was baptized and she was a part of a local church dear brothers and sisters someone is waiting for you to come with gospel as i said you as i told earlier every heart with christ is a missionary every heart without christ is a mission field you know people are waiting and this is our responsibility to go and share gospel i'll just read one scripture and i'll, I'll close it is written in king second kings chapter 7 verse 9 you no need to open i'll just read this story for you here is the four lepers sitting outside of the gate you know those days people who has a leprosy they are kept outside of the city and they were hungry and they decided okay we will go into the city you know if we stay here we will die if you go to the city anyway they will kill us because we supposed to not to enter into the a city uh, so anyway they these four lepers talk together and did they decided to go but god has confused the people those who are staying in arameans and they thought oh the king of israel is going to come and attack us so they left everything 
Very beautiful story you can read. They left everything. And when these four lepers goes there, and no one is in the tent, and there was a food, there was gold and everything, and they started to collect. And they discussed themselves, hey, what we are doing is not good. We are keeping to ourselves. Let's go back and tell this good news to others. And this is not good, what we are doing. This good news, we are keeping it for ourselves. If we keep this good news for ourselves, we will receive punishment. Therefore, let's go and tell this good news to others. That is what exactly, dear brothers and sisters, the good news that we have, if we keep it to ourselves, has no value. It has no meaning. The good news has to be shared. Good news has to be shared. You know, that's why God has called us. May the Lord bless you and use you for your glory. Okay? Thank you so much for having me. Wow. Thank you, Francis. God's call for us is not only a call to go where we are at work, at home, but it's also a call, and Francis didn't really hit on this much, but it's also a call to, to go. And um, we have an opportunity this, this next fall to partner with Francis in India on a missions trip. Now, that missions trip, it's going to be it's a longer trip, probably close to around two weeks. Um, it's going to be a ton of work. It's going to probably be pretty hot and uncomfortable. But I, I believe today, as Francis was sharing his heart and the things that God is doing there, that the Lord was stirring in some of us a desire to participate and be a, be a servant to Francis. We can't. Re- there's there's only a few ways that we can serve Francis as he's here. But we can go to where he's at in his context and, and help serve alongside what God's doing through all their ministries. I mean, we saw the list. It was a pretty long list of what, how God's using them. And I want to challenge and encourage us to seriously, some of us didn't give a second thought to it. Hey, there's a mission trip to India. Okay, that's not for me. It's too much money, too much time. To hold the, we don't even have to pray about it. But I want to encourage us and challenge us that we would give some serious thought and reflection and prayer to whether or not God is calling you to go to serve Francis in India, this dear, precious brother, that we could go and be, be bring the light of Jesus Christ and help encourage and bring value and dignity to people whose society has turned away from. And just talking with them, some of the... The, the, the Dalit community, some of it's so severe that even different pastors who pastor in the Dalit community in some ways are shunned by the pastors who don't pastor in that Dalit community because those pastors are seen themselves as untouchable because they're with the untouchables. It's, so we want to come and bring the hope and light of Jesus Christ. So my challenge and encouragement to us is that seriously consider and pray about whether or not God would call you to go. And then we need to trust and believe that he's going to provide the finances, 
and provide the time off of work or whatever else we have going on. So it's not too late to sign up. If you have any questions, Francis will be here. Larry and Mindy will also be helping to kind of coordinate everything with that. Um, so even even the weeks to come, the days to come, if you've got questions, please see them. As we pass out communion, I want to just read this verse out of Ephesians chapter 2. And this is what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The, the pictures we saw today of the various uh, women and children and families who have been transformed have been transformed because Jesus Christ who was in heaven came down to be with us and then has now we who were far off have been brought near to him that every slide shared the testimony of that verse those who are once far off have been brought near to Jesus Christ slide after slide after slide is a testimony to the work of Jesus Christ. That's also the same testimony that we have. That in Christ Jesus, we who were once far away have been brought near to God because of his life and death and resurrection. And now we being his body aren't just individual members of some collective group, but now we are his family together. Those beautiful pictures of the people, those are our brothers and sisters. That's not just Francis's uh, church. Those are our siblings, dear and precious to the Lord. So we have an opportunity today to celebrate. And what communion is, is it, it is a reminder for us that Je- it is because of Jesus Christ that his body was broken and his blood was shed that we who were far off would be able to be brought near. And so we're going we're gonna to take communion together and we're going to celebrate what God has done. So let us, let's take the bread.